Forex Fridays, only on Money FM 89.3. We are now in the second half of the year, and there's a lot actually to track with regards to Forex markets. But one thing we might have to take stock of, though, especially in the ASEAN region, is rising COVID-19 cases, be it Indonesia, Thailand, Malaysia, or even the Philippines farther out. We're seeing pesky outbreaks also centering around that very worrisome Delta variant that proves to be more contagious than some of its predecessors. But how might this impact both economic sentiment and Forex markets across the region? Well, today on Forex Fridays, we're joined once again by Mr. Han Tan, the Chief Market Analyst at Exidity. He's uh, joining us all the way from Kuala Lumpur today to talk to us about uh, what he's tracking in the second half and how markets might behave given some of these ever-persistent challenges. Han, Thanks so much for joining us today on the program. Glad to hear you and your loved ones are still safe and in good health during these uncertain times. I do hope you're doing all right up uh, in Kuala Lumpur, and I hope you're trying to at least have a happy Friday, sir. (laughs) Well, we are certainly making the most of it before we enter more stringent uh, lockdown measures starting tomorrow. But yes, in the meantime, let's talk shop. And Han, I I hate to make light of things, but it seems that Malaysia might have started a bit of a trend. You have extended those very punishing lockdown measures across your country. But we've also heard from Indonesia that they've gone back into some of these social restrictions because of rising COVID-19 cases. Further ashore, you have the Philippines also tightening things up. Thailand also reporting a rise in COVID-19 infections. Look, it's a new half same problems with regards to COVID, this time of a Delta flavor. How do you think this might impact actually Forex markets in the next couple of weeks or months in the region? And are any of these currencies at more risk of either weakness or volatility because of these developments? Yeah, look, so as a broad point, right, uh, in the FX markets, yeah, you, you do see the impact that these lockdowns or prolonged battles with uh, trying to contain COVID, uh, those have led to downward pressure for that particular country's currency. Right? And that's why you find the likes of the uh, Singapore dollar, for example, at the top of the list of best-performing ASEAN currencies against the U.S. dollar in the first half of this year um, versus the ASEAN currencies that populate the bottom half of that list, right? So among the uh, worst performers for that period. I mean, I think having said that, it's uh, only fair to point out that the vaccination rate also plays an important role in the currency's performance. So, for example, you, know, you do have uh, a fair bit of optimism uh, to be seen in the ringgit's performance, at least relatively speaking, because the hope is that the vaccination rate will have a significant ramp up as we uh, go into the later part of this year, right? And so that's supportive of the ringgit, relatively speaking. Uh, but then uh, looking at the volatility that, uh, that you mentioned, if you look at implied volatility over the next six months, uh, you've got the rupiah and the ringgit leading the way. Uh, but yeah, you know, it really goes back to the points I made earlier. Generally, the longer uh, these countries need uh, to shed those restrictions, then it presents more headwinds for the currency. COVID-19 outbreaks aren't uh, special or exclusive to the ASEAN region. In fact, one country that's facing a very worrisome outbreak, and we have to talk about Australia, you know, this outbreak of the Delta variant down under might be the sternest test of the Australian economic rebound, which we've lauded over the last couple of months, Han. COVID-19 now shutting down about half of the population down under. Do you think the Australian dollar, the Aussie, is going to extend weakness that it saw starting in mid-June? And could this be the next stern test, at least, for both the Aussie and the broader economy down under? Yeah, so uh, let's perhaps uh, look at it from a technical perspective first. Uh, I am seeing enough indicators on the chart suggesting more downside. If you look at momentum indicators, they're pointing south. uh, And you've got some uh, 
perhaps more minor death causes starting to form here. You've got a 20 uh, and the 50 both below the 100. Uh, spot prices also trading below its 200 simple moving averages, right? So, uh, and then if you look at the this past quarter, uh, it was the worst performing uh, G10 currency against the greenback. So it really ties in with what we mentioned earlier, right? You know, again, the idea that the struggles with COVID uh, that uh, puts downward pressure on the currency, and especially when you uh, put it relative to its peers. Earlier, we made the comparison between ASEAN economies. Now, in Australia, if you look at uh, look at the Aussie dollar relative to other G10 economies. Right now, we're at a time when Europe and the UK and the US, you know, those guys are loosening restrictions. So, you know, and uh, ultimately, if those struggles within Australia's borders uh, means that perhaps the RBA, the the, the central uh, the central banks, if they may be slower to uh, normalize policy compared to the Fed and other G10 central banks, uh, I think then that gap um, in in terms of the, uh, how far along they are to normalizing policy, uh, that could keep more downward pressure on the Aussie dollar. And I think that really is the context that sets up next week's RBA meeting. I think it'd be key to see how the central bank actually interprets uh, this uh, uh, these extended lockdown measures that has affected half of Australia. Mm-hmm. We're still speaking to uh, Han Tan, the uh, Chief Market Analyst at Xfinity here on Forex Fridays. Han, I do want to take a look at a pair of East Asian currencies, but I want to start off with the Japanese yen. Now, as we've noted, since the Fed took that bit of a hawkish tilt, it has strengthened quite significantly. And I don't remember the last time we saw the Japanese yen trading above that 110 to the U.S. dollar handle. It would seem that the yen really has softened quite significantly. If this trend of the stronger greenback does continue, how much more weakness might this actually have for the Japanese yen? And what other factors might be you be tracking in regards to this currency? Yeah, uh, so there are several uh, factors here, but uh, really it, the, the common theme is the divergence between uh, the U.S. and Japan, right? So, uh, and I, I take note of what you mentioned earlier about, you know, how uh, perhaps it's been a while since we've seen these kind of levels. And it's interesting because on the charts, uh, the pair has actually broken above this uh, downtrend line that stretches all the way back towards the end of 2016, right? So it's been a, a fair few years since we have seen this uh, counter-trend kind of price action, right? Uh, so, I mean, having that, um, having said that, there are some technical factors to be mindful of over the near term. Uh, the dollar is flooding with overbought levels against the yen, so we might see some near-term pullback on technical grounds, uh, uh, especially if the dollar pushes significantly um, you know, to one way or the other, depending on if we see a shock from today's non-farm payrolls, right? Uh, you know, but uh, going back to what you had mentioned about, uh, say, uh, you know. What, what's the near-term performance? Uh, you know, I, I'm looking at a couple of models. They're pricing in a 76% chance that a dollar yen could even break above 112 uh, over the mm. next week. Um, so I, I think really, uh, like I said, it's more of a dollar story uh, right now. And uh, I mean, another key factor that we are, of course, looking at is the gap in the uh, two-year yields. Right. So it goes back to what I mentioned earlier, the difference between the U.S. and Japan. So, um, you know, we saw the, the gap in the two-year yields uh, really climb a leg up after that uh, Fed surprise that we saw a couple of weeks back, right? And so this widening gap uh, has a, a big role to play in the dollar-yen story uh, as well. But I think if we take a step uh, back and if we look at how the yen is faring against other crosses, it's uh, generally been supported because of those rising concerns surrounding the Delta variant, right? So... Um, you know, so uh, yeah, I think overall uh, the yen should remain supported, but for dollar yen, I think the bias is still 
tilted to the upside. So uh, I want to shift now to the other East Asian currency. We talked about the Korean won. I remember a couple of weeks ago, the head of the Bank of Korea actually indicated that there could be possible rate hikes there. It seems that they're the first ones mm-hmm. to really indicate a more hawkish stance among the major central banks in the region. We still have six months to go to the end of the year. Exports pretty much strong still out in South Korea. They seem to be rather stable despite pesky COVID-19 infections. Share with us your second half outlook for the Korean won if this is still a currency to watch, Han. So for my second half outlook, uh, it uh, really speaks to more upside for the dollar against the Korean won, right? Mm-hmm. So again, we start from a technical perspective. Uh, we've got spot that's breached above its uh, 200-day simple moving average. And if you look back on the chart, the last time it did so back around mid-2018, that pair actually went on to climb by about 19%. Uh, and of course, it began with those concerns about the U.S.-China trade war, then peaking at the onset of the pandemic last year, right? But then uh, now we are on the cusp of another golden cross forming once more. Um, so if the technical event does happen and it forms, uh, it points to more dollar strength. Um, uh, yeah, it points to more dollar strength against the South Korean won, right? And of course, the other big theme is uh, something that uh, we have spoken about uh, you know, um, quite a fair bit already in this competition, right? Uh, that we have this recent spike in COVID cases over there. Uh, we note that yesterday, South Korea initially planned to loosen some of its restric- uh, restrictions, only to then, uh, you know, kind of put those plans on hold, right? So. Um, I- so, so that's the downside. But of course, you know, we know that, uh, as you mentioned, and you rightly pointed out, South Korean exports are doing well. Um, their economic recovery uh, still seems to be on track. We saw the latest forecasts out of the government. It are revised upwards. And they have a new budget proposal, right? So if that budget is passed, uh, that should mean more fiscal aid that is supportive of, of consumption. Right. So, and as you pointed out as well, there's talk of the rate hike in uh, perhaps Q4 of this year. So there are some supportive elements for the South Korean one, but uh, I, I think um, the, if I do you know, uh, pinpoint one X factor, I think it'll be as long as the central bank can stay ahead of the Fed, uh, then that could limit the one's downside. You know, Han, I tried to avoid talking about the, the U.S. dollar and using that cliche that it is the tail that wags the dog, which is Forex markets. But it seems that's, that mm-hmm. is the case when we talked about the yen and the one. Is it uh, fair for me to say that the greenback is something you're going to be watching out for also in the second half? And what are you expecting from the almighty dollar? Yeah, uh, it, indeed, it's. I think it's going to be very much a dollar story in the second half of this year. I mean, keep in mind, we've got a Jackson Hole, right, coming up at the end of next month. Uh, you know, and of course, depending on what Fed Chair uh, Powell unveils, uh, there's plenty of market chatter already about um, him perhaps sending a stronger signal about the timeline for tapering. Right. So, I mean, we've already gotten a prelude to that by the hawkish surprise in the Fed dot plot to uh, U.S. rate hikes being penciled in for 2023. So, you know, if, if that is uh, that hawkish bias is perhaps confirmed by uh, Fed Chair Powell uh, based on comments at Jackson Hole, then I think that could really determine the dollar's trajectory going into uh, 2022. You know, so that's why we, we, we see the positioning in uh, perhaps the options markets, uh, you know, uh, and some of the implied falls you know, over that kind of uh, time frame, right, over the next uh, three to six months. I think it really tells us that yeah, it's very much a dollar story and you know, much of the FX universe will revolve around the Fed's plans for its uh, normalizing of its policies uh, as the U.S. economy recovers. 
All right. Han Tan, Chief Market Analyst at Exidy. Thank you so much for joining us once again on Forex Fridays here in Monday FM 89.3. As always, I wish you and your loved ones continued health and safety during these uncertain times. We look forward to next time we can have you back on the show. Meanwhile, do try to stay safe out there and keep your chin up on Kuala Lumpur, sir. Have, have a good weekend. Uh, thank you very much. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.